0: Hi everyone, my name is Andrea Hoke. I am the Director of Investor Relations at AIR Asset Management. I am here with AIR's CIO, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Luongo.
1: Good afternoon, everyone.
0: Okay, so we are here to talk to you all today about accessing greater risk-adjusted returns and portfolio diversification through an uncorrelated strategy. So what does that mean exactly? Air Asset Management is a Chicago-based hedge fund management firm with $600 million in assets under management. We focus on longevity-based assets, primarily life settlements, as well as annuities and structured settlements and private credit opportunities. So I'm going to click ahead here to a slide that we think we should start off with. Life settlement basics. So Steve, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people in here can read, but why don't you tell everybody what a life settlement is?
1: I shall. Um- So as I look out amongst the room, I have a question, which is, how many of you here are familiar with life insurance policies as an investment, or basically what we call life settlements? Okay, good. Uh, So life settlements have been growing in popularity, and I'm sure many of you have been or have seen commercials on TV where there's this uh, older senior couple and they talk about how they can sell one of their life insurance policies and they could essentially uh, generate uh, cash value for it. Well, the basics of that uh, life settlements work, uh, they're really, really very straightforward and very simple. People generally have two reasons to sell an insurance policy. One is that many people are overinsured uh, and usually happens with affluent people uh, who may, you know, may have grown a business over many years and continually bought additional life insurance policies and then there's a certain point in time where they realize that uh, you know, their kids are set, uh, they don't necessarily need excessive life insurance. It has a function of that, one way to really reduce very, very high premiums as they get older, and this is usually with universal-type policies. Um, as, they get, as they get older, they can sell off that policy, and that tends to be sort of an affluent clientele. The other uh, are uh, with people who have what we call smaller face or smaller death benefit policies, and they sell their policies predominantly as a source of cash, to pay for uh, various life issues such as assisted living, uh, nursing home, uh, and and medical costs. So the way the the market works basically is uh, very similar to real estate in the sense that people go to a broker and a broker who is uh, licensed to settle a life insurance policy sells that insurance policy to an investor So for instance, at Air Asset Management, we run uh, several strategies, but uh, namely our flagship strategy is an open-ended hedge fund that buys other people's insurance policies. And the benefit of this essentially to us is we create an alternative investment option for ourselves and for other people, um, they get to monetize an asset. So the way it basically works is we will purchase the policy the person remains the insured, but we become the owner of it. And to keep that policy in force, we pay premiums on it. So we cash settle the policy upfront. Now if you think about it, you can create or construct a portfolio of many of these, and you can achieve diversification. And if you think about it, uh, a portfolio of life insurance policies really is uh, similar to uh, a portfolio of zero coupon bonds. The difference is, is that there's no real stated maturity because the maturity in a life insurance policy is a calculated or an anticipated life expectancy. So that's you know those are kind of the basics. It's really a transfer of risk. And uh, we currently own about 550 policies and uh, we run about 600 million in assets uh, under management.
0: Thanks, Steve. So if you take a look at this slide, you'll see that 90% of life insurance policies that are terminated on an annual basis are either lapsed or surrendered each year, meaning that insureds do not know that this is an option. Many of them don't. So Steve, with that in mind, Mm. how big could the life settlement market be?
1: Well, I'll give you some perspective. Right now, we think it could grow to probably you know 225 to 250. We have projections here of around 233 billion over the next few years. Um, life insurance policies in force in the United States are currently $20 trillion. Okay, so if you think about that, um, the growth potential alone, if roughly 230 billion is accurate, is, is a small percentage of that, of that number. Uh, Currently in force, uh, life settlements in force, which is different than life insurance in force, life settlements in force, that is, uh, life insurance policies that are held by investors, run approximately $150 billion of what we call face value or death benefit.
0: Awesome. So. What type of return profile can investors expect from life settlement funds or funds of this nature, and why should investors consider adding this to their portfolios?
1: Um, <clears throat> we'll, we'll, we'll touch a slide that kind of points to that in a bit, in a second. Here came up. So, when I first started in this asset class, I'd come from uh, different backgrounds in capital markets and, and investment banking. One of the things that I found about this market this asset class itself I found so fascinating was that the total return profile uh, by its very nature is was and is and continues to be very non-correlated to the returns of traditional asset classes Uh, in addition the returns tend to exhibit very very low volatility so when you look at the risk-adjusted return of the asset class, um, I have not seen anything that really approaches it uh, in, in, in the hedge fund space, uh, to that matter, or even in the private equity space. It's harder to gauge volatility there, of course, because of fair market valuation, but uh, nonetheless, the thing that really stood out to me was this true non-correlation, uh, diversification, and very high sharp ratios. Uh, and it was really, when I, when I first started to, to learn about this market many years ago, it was probably one of the most palpable things that that occurred to me.
0: Awesome, so can you touch on this slide yeah. a little bit?
1: So this gives you, yeah, this gives you a bit of an example. Um, what we do at Air Asset Management is we actually created a life settlement composite index, which is uh, made up or is, a, is c- consists of uh, many life settlement funds, both closed end and open-ended funds. Uh, and um, in doing so, we looked at the returns of the asset class. We went back, it's, and remember, this is, this is a burgeoning space. So a lot of the good data that we had went back to February of 18. But what we did is we, we really wanted to plot the returns of this asset class. And we're, we're here talking about the asset class as a whole versus the returns of the S&P. Um, and we wanted to look at it during drawdown periods. And If you look at the drawdown periods, the major drawdown periods going back to February 18, uh, in the S&P, it becomes self-evident how well the class, the asset class itself, has performed uh, vis-a-vis the S&P. And as indicated in this particular slide, um, it's intuitive that the level of volatility is much, much, much lower than it is in other asset classes.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about volatility and exactly what this slide means to you and how life settlements really can complement a portfolio.
1: I mean, anybody here who's you know, used to the capital asset pricing model or is, is a portfolio manager recognizes this. Um, what's very helpful, uh, this is called the efficient frontier. And what's very helpful about this particular slide is we can plot uh, the returns of different asset classes on a graph that basically looks at that level of return in relation to risk. And a standard measure of risk is volatility. Uh, That is the the standard deviations of returns over a particular time period. And uh, as we can see, um, if you plot these different asset classes, such as treasury bills, government bonds, uh, small cap domestic stocks, and so on, As an asset class, they capture, or they generate a certain return with respect or vis-a-vis a a certain level of of standard deviation. By plotting this graph out, we create a frontier, uh, which we call the efficient frontier. This is where we can expect to generate a certain level of return for each one of these asset classes given a level of risk. Any asset that generates a return to the left or above this particular efficient frontier is outperforming. it becomes self-evident that life settlements as an asset class uh, generate uh, a given level of return for a given level of risk that's far superior uh, to uh, the returns of other asset classes. You know one of the things I was mentioning before is uh, in buying smaller face policies, as we call them, you know, with death benefits that range, let's say, anywhere from 100,000 up to 750,000, uh, the people who are selling those policies tend to need to monetize that asset, and many of them don't even know that they can. Uh, By settling their policy, we are essentially providing them uh, with an immediate cash value that often can be seven to eight times more uh, than the cash surrender value that may be inherent with that particular policy. And in looking at this, we, we, we... you know, we, we analyzed it, I'll let you talk about it a little bit, but um, it became very apparent to us that there really is an SRI component to this.
0: Yeah, so air asset management is actually a signatory for the principles of responsible investing. And as you know, and I've learned today, our main strategy has been life settlement. So when we presented and applied for this PRI signatory position, we really had to investigate, okay, what is the impact to insureds? for these life settlements. Mm-hmm. And as Steve said, you know, they can on average get seven to eight times more than the cash surrender value of their policies. I think it's very normal for an investor to get hung up or caught up on the mortality aspect of this asset class. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an obvious factor that we don't, you know, as a society love to talk about, but really the important thing to remember is that we are putting cash in hand of these insureds. We are putting cash in their hands that they can use for assisted living, medical expenses, et cetera. And in the United States today, 80% of Americans currently fall short of conservative retirement savings. So we find this to be an incredibly additional value add to the insured population.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we've, we also speak, you know, we speak to people who sell their policies. And often people will say, you know, they'll be incredibly thankful for getting a certain amount of money that may be seven, eight, nine, ten times more than what they would have gotten from the insurance company if they went back and surrendered that policy. And, you know, to see how positive or to see how content people are with, with this capability is, you know, actually kind of rewarding. And I'll be frank, is, you know, an unexpected added value to what we do. Um, you know, there's, there are other situations where people, uh, and, you know, affluent folks who will settle a policy and take the cash and end up putting it into a foundation or into some kind of environmental cause so you know you you start to sort of see that transition of value going through into areas that want help people and then secondly can also help some of the esg um or maybe environmental or, or social concerns that people have and uh you know as a business that becomes you know it's a very satisfying thing for us
0: yeah, it's one thing to make money, but it's another thing to make money and have a social
1: impact that's
0: proven, right? Yeah. And with that, we are complete. So we'll open it up to questions if anybody has any.
1: We'd love to hear them, and I think we beat it by 46 seconds. Excellent.
0: Oh, right on time.
1: Yeah.
0: One In the year 2021, what was your experience COVID. of pay- payoffs on the portfolio as opposed to other years?
1: So it, there's a long answer to that. I'll be very quick. I'll try to summarize it up. It's a great question, and it's one that investors ask us all the time. Um, <clears throat> very little impact whatsoever. There's some, ana- there's some analytical work now that's coming out, uh, but you know, if you look at our market as being two-tiered, the smaller face policies that I talked about as well as the more affluent, basically grandma and grandpa stayed away from uh, their grandchildren during COVID and, uh, you know, uh, the impact in the more affluent policies was very, very small. There are some anecdotal data that's coming out now that really talks to some of the smaller face policies, having a little bit of an impact because a lot of folks were in areas where there was less vaccination and less healthcare. Uh, but you know, for our strategy, it uh, very little impact negligible. Any other questions? I'm saying, how do you invest in a life uh, settlement?
0: Oh, okay. So we actually co-mingle these life settlements in a, in a proprietary vehicle. We have open-end hedge fund structures as well as closed-end hedge fund structures. Do you want to touch on?
1: Yeah, I, I didn't hear the question. It was how do you invest in it? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, it's a private, uh, you know, Reg D hedge fund that, that we run in several of them. And, uh, you know, you could be either a qualified purchaser or a qualified client. Uh, and uh, subscribe uh, to the fund, which is you know basically made up of a diversified portfolio of policies. And what's the minimum requirement for that? The two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Two fifty. Amazing! Thank right. you, everybody. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Appreciate it. And Richard, thank you for having us.